but hello everyone. Uh, my name is Sarah Sa, and I serve as a staff here, as Eunice mentioned. Um, I think many of you guys don't really know my testimony because I haven't really shared it much this semester. Um, I wish I could share the whole thing with you, but uh, we don't have time, right? Because we got to do the game night later. And so for the sake of time, I'm not going to get too into it, but I will give you a short version, okay? Um, all you need to know is three years ago, I was right in your shoes. I came to create a study abroad at Yonsei University as an exchange student for one year. Um, I had just come out of a life of, I know you're not going to believe me, but it's serious, all right? I came out of a life of drug abuse. Yeah, I did a lot of drugs. I did. Uh, debauchery, I drank a lot. Like, I, got, I blacked out a lot, guys, when I was drinking. And um, just a lot of shame and guilt. Um, I have a background of attending church, but I never really had a personal relationship with God. I just went out because everyone else went out. And in California, if you're Korean American, like, literally everyone goes. So you just kind of go because everyone else goes. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't really have a relationship with God. Um, but when I came to Korea, joined Emmaus Campus Ministry, and began attending New Philly, I encountered the living God and was never the same. Um, I went home to California after my year abroad, graduated college, and came back out to Korea to serve as a staff here at Korea University. Uh, yeah, like Eunice mentioned, it's been two and a half years now, so this is my fifth semester here. Um, and yeah, the story doesn't end here, though. Like Eunice mentioned uh, when she introduced me, uh, she already formally announced it, but I'll formally announce it again. That, uh, yeah, this will be my last semester here serving as a staff for Korea University because uh, I will be transitioning to Yonsei Iwa to take over their campus director position. Um, and so I think that's why it makes this even more special because this will be my last time preaching at KU as a staff. And so, yeah, but like Eunice said, please don't be sad. Um, I, I'm going to finish out my assignment, which is here at KU for this semester, and so I will still be here for the next four weeks. Yeah, and my familiar, don't worry, I'm going to disciple you guys still. I'm not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, don't worry. Um, I'm still your crew member, okay? But tonight, I'm going to share a word that's been heavy on my heart this year. So last year, I, or last semester, I made my preaching debut, and I was really nervous because it's my first time preaching. Um, I was really wrestling with God last semester. What am I going to preach on? But actually, when Eunice asked me this semester, I already had a word that God was teaching me this semester. And so it was very easy for me to just say, okay, I'll do it um, excitedly. And so, yeah, it's something that God's been speaking very loudly and clearly to me personally this year. And so I believe that it's, it's a message that not, every, or not, not only uh, for everyone here to hold on to, but a good reminder for just every believer. Okay, so before I start, let me pray for us. If you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence here. Um, Father, I just thank you that you have a key word that needs to be released tonight. Would you anoint my lips, God, and would you remove all distractions, and may our hearts and minds be surrendered to your word. Yeah, have your way in this place, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, so... Please open up your Bibles. I hope you guys have your Bibles or smartphone applications to Joshua 24. Joshua chapter 24. I'm so nervous, guys. <laughs> Joshua 24. <laughs> That's not the right chapter, actually. <laughs> um. So I am actually going to preach out of pretty much the whole chapter, but I'm not going to have us read through it all just because it's 
too long and we don't have time for that. Um, so I will summarize it. So I'm not going to like quote all the, ch- the verses, but I just want you guys to keep it open. Chapter 24. Just there's no specific verse to chapter 24. But if you guys can just follow along as I break the chapter down for you. Okay, I'm literally going to summarize the whole book to you right now. Okay. All right. So in Joshua 24, this is when um, this chapter concludes the life and reign of Joshua. Okay. Joshua became the leader of the Israelites after Moses' death. And he is the one that completed the task of leading the Israelites into the promised land, right? And taking possession of it. So that's a little background story for you. Um, So at the beginning of chapter 24, Joshua calls a general assembly in hopes to encourage the Israelites to continue to remain true in their faith and worship to God after his death. So what he does is he gathers the heads of the congregation all together. And he's in in chapter 24, he's speaking to them. Okay, and he prophesies over them because he begins by saying, Thus says the Lord of God, the Lord our God of Israel. Okay, and then he proceeds to recount the history of God's faithfulness to Israel. Okay, here's some things, right? He mentions how God multiplied Abraham's descendants, right? And how he gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, he gave Jacob and Esau. How he split the Red Sea so they could escape from the Egyptians. And how, you know, the waters came crashing down on them. And how he delivered them from the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all the other somethingites. Okay, there's a lot. I only wrote down the ones that I could say because some of them I can't pronounce. It's embarrassing. Um, but most, most importantly, right, he recounts how God brought them to the promised land, a land that they did not labor for, cities that they have not built, and olive groves, groves and vineyards that they did not plant. Okay? But I want to call out something that's uh, worthy of a note. Okay? That doesn't make any sense. Something interesting to note here is from verse 2 to 13, where Joshua is recounting God's faithfulness, right? The history of God and the Israelites, um, their failures are strangely forgotten. Okay? Let me explain what I mean by this. Um, You know, whenever I, like, hear sermons or read about the Israelites, um, their journey, I was always tempted to hecka judge them, you know? And, like, this is why, okay? Um, Because they see God move powerfully to deliver them and to provide for them. But then they start complaining, right? And grumbling against God and saying, God, like, why didn't you give me this, more of this, or more of that, right? Um, And then they see God move powerfully again to deliver them, provide for them again, right? But then they start saying, oh, it's not enough, and that life in Egypt, in slavery and bondage was so much better, right? They see God move, and then they build up golden calves, and they start worshiping idols, right? So for me, I'm like, Man, are you serious? Like, God always delivered you, but how come you always go back and worship idols or go back into slavery and sin, right? But the thing is, I think, like, let's be real. How many times do we do this too, you know? Um, God answers our prayers. He heals us. He gives us that scholarship that we've been praying for, right? He um, gives us this word that we've been dying to hear. He, he moves in our lives, but then, you know, the next second we turn our backs on him as if he's never, he didn't do anything for us. You know, um, so after those good feelings, the initial good feelings of God is so good. And I praise you, God, for answering my prayers. We almost forget what he's done for us. But you see here in Joshua 24, um, even when we see God's review of the Israelites, he does not remember their shortcomings. Right. He does not remember. He doesn't mention all the times Israel failed to stay faithful to him. Right. In Jeremiah 31, 34, God says their sin, I will remember no more. Their sin, I will remember no more, right? So what I want to say here is if you've come before God in genuine repentance, 
For your sins, he remembers no more. Right? So how good is our God? How good is our God? Um, all right. So let's continue to verse 14. Okay? So here, Joshua gives out his challenge to the Israelites. Serve God exclusively. Right? He tells them to fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth. Right? The Israelites saw God's works and witnessed his blessings firsthand, right? So this charge was not a huge leap of faith for them. It's not like it's a blind leap of faith. They saw God's faithfulness. And so uh, Joshua is saying, because you've seen all that, you know, make a commitment to serve God exclusively. Um, It almost made sense for them to exclusively serve a God who's done so much for them, right? It kind of makes sense. Um, But this is much easier said than done, right? This is often the most difficult part for us in our walks. Staying faithful to God after we've received so much blessing from him. Um, There's a quote that I found as I was researching. I don't know where it's from, but it's very good. Okay. The ease that can come with the blessing can be the subtle enemy. Subtle? (laughs) All right, one more time. The ease that can come with the blessing can be the subtle, subtle enemy of serving God in sincerity and in truth. Right? Perhaps this is why the Israelites had such a hard time remaining faithful, right, in faith to God after all that he had done for them. Okay? So there's another quote. Okay, this is like a really complicated quote. I had to read it like five times. So I'm going to read it carefully so you guys can digest it, okay? All right. The best test of sincerity is not always the open hostility of foes. Where am I? Oh, for this often braces up the energies of combat while at the same time it makes the path of duty clear. Still less is it at the hour of triumph over our foes than there is no temptation to rebel. The real test of our faithfulness to God is in most cases our power to continue steadfastly in one course of conduct when the excitement of conflict is removed. And the enemies with which we have to contend are the insidious allurements of ease, or custom amid the commonplace duties of life. Whoa, that was like really epic, right? I don't want to read it again. It's too long, okay? But um, essentially, what this person is trying to say is, it's much easier to be sincere in our faith in God, in our hope in God, to be steadfast, to read our Bibles and pray when there's a struggle, a tension, a desire, and a need, right? It's much easier to be sincere when we're on our knees because we really need something. God, I need this. I need breakthrough in this area. There's tension in this area. There's struggles in this area. I need you, God. It's easy to be sincere, right? Um, but it's, and it's easy to remain faithful when God answers our prayers, right? But when things are going fairly good and it's like, God, you know, everything's good right now. I don't really need you to intervene in this area of my life. I think that's where being sincere in our worship to God is probably the hardest, Right? kind of goes out the window we just kind of coast in our faith because we don't really need we don't really need you god right now we're okay i'm good right but here joshua is is urging the israelites to be sincere in and in truth sincere in their worship to god you know to to serve him exclusively okay so we're gonna read verse 15 okay and this is the main verse of tonight so i'm actually gonna read this one to you okay if you guys can go to joshua chapter 24 verse 15 it says And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Right? So this is actually a really famous verse. I'm sure you guys have heard it a lot before. Right? 
So after Joshua recounts the Israelites' history with God, and after he encouraged them to serve God exclusively in sincerity and in truth, he offers the Israelites a choice. Okay, he says to choose whether you will serve the gods of your fathers uh, or serve the Lord. Okay, so one thing that I felt was interesting and worth mentioning here is that God commands the Israelites to choose whom they will serve, not if they will serve. Okay, he says, choose whom will you serve, right? Whether the gods of your fathers or, you know, the Lord, right? And the reason why I wanted to point this out is because we all serve someone, okay? This is the thing you guys need to know. We all serve someone, whether it's the devil, whether we know it or not, or God, okay? It, there's no other option. There's no other uh, person you can serve, okay? Um, and when I say serving the devil, I don't mean you make a pact with Satan, like Satan, I'm going to follow you. It's not like that, right? It's in many subtle ways where you can serve Satan and you don't know it, okay? So for example, uh, well, here, Christ's words made it perfectly clear in Matthew 6, 24, that no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold on to one and despise the other, okay? Your thoughts and actions will declare whether you are slave to the devil, you take, you're taken captive by him and do his will, or a slave to Jesus Christ, having followed... Um, you're having allowed yourself to be taken by him and to do his will. Okay. So there's this book while I was doing research. I think I literally typed in like serving God or serving the devil. And this book came up. Okay. It's called unmasking the devil. (laughs) Okay. And this author mentions how the snares of devil could be things that you don't even really know. Right. For example, like watching unholy television shows and movies because the devil is a prince of the air. Right? So he, he's, he overtook all that media stuff, you know? So he's all up in there, the media, right? Or even what you speak out of your mouth because the devil is after your words, right? Or any gossip that you entertain that comes through your ears and contaminates your spirit man, okay? These are all ways that you can serve the devil and you don't even know. It. It's low-key ways, guys. Um, yeah, and I know often it doesn't seem black and white, but it is, okay? This is how Satan works, um, each day, or maybe, maybe even several times a day, you are faced with this challenge of who, you, who will you serve? Okay, who will you serve? See, but how does Joshua respond to this question? Okay, in, in verse 15, he declares that he will serve the Lord and serve him alone. Right? To Joshua, there was only one God in his life, and there was no one else. Okay? And so, um, after Joshua says this, so when we follow, we keep going on the chapter, um, he pretty much asks God, okay, who are you going to serve? And the Israelites are all like, Oh, we too, us too, we're going to serve the Lord, right? Um, but what Joshua does is he kind of cautions them. He says, don't make a light decision, you know? Um, he, when they say, oh, us too, we're going to serve the Lord, Joshua cautions them and says, he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. Okay, this is his response to them after he says, who are you going to serve? And they say, we're going to serve God too. He says this to him. He gives them a warning, right? And I know it seems a bit, a bit harsh, but um, Joshua isn't trying to discourage their faith. He's just trying to remind them that they're serving God under a covenant, you know, a holy covenant. Um, that they're making a covenant to serve God and that, that they would be cursed for disobedience. So he's saying, you know, don't make your commitments lightly, you know, your covenant with God lightly. Um, and so after he does this, he gives them a warning. Still the Israelites declare, no, but we will serve the Lord. Okay? And this is the response that Joshua wanted. This is what he wanted because he laid it out for them. 
if you say you're going to serve the Lord, but you disobey, this is what's going to happen. These are the consequences. But will you still serve the Lord? And they said yes, right? So they made a conscious commitment with full understanding of the consequences, right? So on this day, Joshua makes a covenant with the people, and the covenant is renewed, okay? So pretty much, guys, I just went through, like, majority of chapter 24 with you, okay? Um, okay, whew. So why did I spend all this time breaking down the chapter of Joshua to you, right? So today, I'm just going to make it clear, I don't have a three-point application sermon. So I don't have, and these are my three points, and then these are three application points. Um, that's not how God led me to prepare for this. And so I know when you're taking notes, you kind of just scramble, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, what I do want to do is exhort you guys. That's the purpose of my sermon, to exhort you guys, just like Joshua did. When he gathered the, li- the leaders of Israelites in chapter 24, I want to exhort you guys and tell you guys that you guys have a choice, okay? So this can go many different ways. I'm going to try to make it as clear as possible, okay? Uh, first of all, you guys are all thinking adults, Right? Everybody here is in college or older, right? Who's the youngest? Is it Max again? You're 19? Is anyone under than 19? Oh, how old are you? 19? Okay, 19. You guys are all... <laughs> David on, I'm pretty sure you're old, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, but you guys are over 18 years of age, right? In America, if you're over 18, you are considered an adult. All right, so I'm speaking to adults, okay? So I want to be real with you guys today. You know, and make you guys think a little bit, okay? Um, So a few months ago, I was at a Starbucks near my house, uh, praying and journaling. I was like, God, like, I think I need to spend some time in prayer with you. I I don't do this that often, but I will do it today, right? And so I I, I was sitting there, and I was journaling. um, And I got this revelation, okay, as I was journaling. And this is where, this this moment was where I got this whole sermon, okay? Okay. So I actually wrote it on my Facebook. Some of you guys might have seen it. But I said, this is exactly what I wrote on that day. I wrote, lately I've been learning to own up to the decisions I've made and that I'm going to make in the future. I had a choice and I have a choice. Okay? So this was the the two lines that I got after kind of like sitting and thinking about, um, you know, like all these questions, right? I was thinking, sitting and thinking about why I'm doing what I'm doing. Okay? Um, I, I, I was thinking, why did I make the decisions and the commitments that I did, right, um, that I've made up to, this, up to this point? And because a lot of the things that I'm doing right now has to do with my salvation and faith in Christ. You know, I, I'm a leader at New Philly. I serve at church. I serve here in Emmaus, right? A lot of it has to do with my relationship with God. I went as far as really being real with myself about why I'm even Christian. You know, I think sometimes we need to sit there and kind of think. We need to think about it, right? Why do I go to church? Right? Why do I go to all the prayer meetings? You know, you feel like we have a lot of prayer meetings. Why do I go to all of them? Um, why, uh, why am I a leader in the church? You know, why do I have all these roles? Why do I do it? Why am I serving in Emmaus? Why do I spend most of my adult time with college students and discipling you guys? You know, why do I do that? Why am I here teaching in Korea when I could be doing something more meaningful to me personally? Right? I have a heart for North Korea. I could be doing work with that and making a lot more money than what I'm doing right now. But why am I here? Why am I doing this? You know, I had to sit there and think. And all these questions ultimately led me to those two sentences. Lately, I've been learning to own up to the decisions I've made and that I'm going to make in the future. I have a choice, or I had a choice, and I have a choice. Okay? 
And so now this can apply to the little daily choices I make each day, okay? When I'm talking about choices, it could be my commitment to help my roommates with the house chores. I haven't been doing a good job because I'm Mangde, I'm the youngest. And I'm the youngest in my family as well, okay? So I was a bit spoiled. I'm, I'm the youngest and I'm the youngest daughter. I'm the only daughter, actually. And so I'm, I'm like the princess at home. I, I don't have to do anything. I didn't grow up doing chores. I had cleaners, you know, in America. Uh, so when now, you know, living here, you know, I can hear Pastor Myung, I'll be like, that's, you know. But, um, yeah, a commitment to do house chores, you know, to help my roommates out. Um, or uh, my commitment to meet with a student or a friend that I've been reaching out to or that's been reaching out to me, okay. Or my commitment to serve on the media team at retreat because it's very tiring and I'm there every session just taking pictures and I don't get to do anything else, right? Or my commitment to call my mom and dad at least twice a month because I don't do a good job of that. I don't really talk to them often, okay? But what are some choices that you've been given and you said yes to, right? I want you guys to think, right? Because if you said yes, you're making a verbal agreement, a commitment to someone that you'll follow through and do it. Okay, whether it's a commitment, you know, you're making to yourself, or to God, or to someone else. You're making a commitment to someone, right? And it's a commitment that you've made that you need to follow through and do, right? So what I'm trying to get at is, I want you guys to all learn how to take ownership of what you've committed to, okay? Take responsibility of your choices because you are the one who makes them, right? And you are the one that needs to own up to all the consequences if you don't follow through, right? When Joshua presented his questions to the Israelites, he gave them a choice to serve God or not, They made their decision, but Joshua warned them to think again, right? He told them not to make the decision lightly, right? So don't make decisions in your life lightly, okay, guys? Don't make commitments you can't keep, right? They don't have to be big things. They're little things like my commitment to do chores, my commitment to call my parents, right? Don't make commitments lightly if you can't even follow through on them, right? Don't make commitments you can't keep. Okay, we hear this all the time, especially if you go to New Philly. This is like the verse that they always use, okay? In, in James, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. If you're going to say yes, then follow through, right? If you can't do it, then just say no, right? All right. Okay, so more than these daily choices we make in our lives, what's most important is our decision to follow Christ, okay? Now it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to get holy here now, okay? Right, this is the greatest choice we've been given and the greatest decision we can make in our lives, right? To follow Christ, so I don't know what your story is or what your background in the church is, okay? Some of you may have been born in the church. Like, literally, your parents are elders, and you're, like, born into the church, and you've been going all your life because that's all you know, okay? Uh, some of you may go out to church because your parents or friends encourage you to, right? Some of you guys are even here tonight because of that reason. Your parents want you to be, be a part of some Christian fellowship when you're studying abroad in Korea so you don't go and do bad things, right, in the streets of Seoul, Right? Um, or maybe you're here tonight because you feel pressured by your familiar leader or like your friends, right? Or are you here because of that? Or honestly, maybe some of you guys are here just because you guys want to play games later, right? For the game night, because fellowship is, fellowship is what is really on your heart and that's what you really love, right? Um, but I'm not trying to condemn you guys for whatever reason you guys go to church because I was right there too, okay? So when I was a student, I mean... Yeah, when I was a student, but I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I shared that already. Um, But I started going out to church at a young age because a family friend started taking me out, right? So I went to church in elementary, junior high, and high school. I served, I was always a leader at church, guys. It's called like a cabinet. You guys know, anyone? Cabinet, church cabinet? Like I was like always on, okay, you guys don't know. 
I was always in church leadership, okay? I always served as, um, as a leader in the church, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God, right? All those years I went out and I served, it was purely because I thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, going to church became a formality, right? Going to church became a formality. No one forced me to go. So yes, in a sense, I did make a decision to go, but I never made a conscious decision for myself because I was always in autopilot mode. I just thought this is the right thing to do, so I'm just going to go. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do, but go to church. It's just what good, ki- good kids do. You know, I never, thought one, I never once thought, why am I going to church? Right? Am I going because of obligation or because I genuinely want to go because I love God and I want to worship him and I want to seek him, right? Um, did I even understand why I was going to church? No, right? It wasn't until God literally broke in and intervened in my life when I was an MA student three years ago that I actually began to attend church out of a pure desire and devotion to God, right? So honestly, when I think back, and you know, I've been, I, like I said, I've been Christian since I was in like second grade because that's when I first went to church. But I never, I never went just because I wanted to go. I mean, I, ne- I never went because I knew who God was and out of that desire. I went just because it was normal, right? Um, but it wasn't, literally it wasn't until three years ago when I got, you know, redeemed that I actually went out to church because I wanted to go, because I understood why I was going, right? So I want you guys to not make a decision to go out to church or to come out to Emmaus just because someone tells you to, but out of a sincere choice that you've made, right? You've thought about and you've made yourself, okay? And so I just want to celebrate that I made it to 30 minutes, uh, 25 minutes, right? Yes. All right. Okay. Okay. So most of you here are are born-again believers, right? Right? Most of you guys have a relationship with Christ. You've declared him uh, as your Lord and Savior, right? Um, just like the Israelites in Joshua 24, you've witnessed the faithfulness of God in your life, right? Um, you've witnessed the supernatural joy that comes with knowing Christ. Maybe some of you guys have witnessed miracles that we read about in the Bible, right? You guys have gone on mission trips or you prayed for healing over someone and you've witnessed the Holy Spirit move, you know, and heal, right? Miracles before your eyes. Or, and some of you guys have even encountered God supernaturally, right? You've never had an encounter with God, but you did, okay? Um, but what I want to ask you today is, will you make the decision today, just like the Israelites did, to renew your covenant with him, okay? That you will choose today, not out of obligation or blind faith, because you guys have witnessed the faithfulness of God, most of you, but out of sincerity and in truth to serve God exclusively, Okay? Joshua and the Israelites made it to the promised land. They got to see the fulfillment of God's promises. And I'm pretty sure most of them were born-again believers, right? They knew Christ. Uh, But even so, Joshua felt the need to gather them together, right, through their leaders, to remind them of God's faithfulness and to ask them to recommit themselves to God, right? He made a new covenant that day between them and God. So I'm going to tell you right now, do not despise the need to rededicate yourself to God. Okay, do not despise the need to rede- rededicate yourself to God. When I was growing up, a lot of my youth group retreats, every, every retreat, every, not retreat, every Friday like service, every Sunday service, there's an altar call to rededicate yourself to God. And I kind of like despise it saying, man, it's, we do the same thing every week. And it's like the same people that go up. I don't understand, right? But, but don't despise the need to rededicate yourself to God, right? Sometimes you need to take a step back and, answer, and ask yourself these questions. Why am I Christian? Why do I do what I do? Why do I go to church, Right? Um, sometimes we need a fresh reminder of why we believe in God and why do we do the things that we do, do, right? We need to recommit ourselves with a full understanding of the weight of our decision, okay? 
So saying yes does not mean you're going to live a perfect Christian life and that you're not going to sin because that's impossible, right? Even even the holiest person, we all sin, right? We all sh- fall short of the glory of God and we need God's grace every day, right? So I'm not saying you're going to live a perfect Christian life, right? Uh, <laughs> everyone's like, yeah, that's right. Um, but you're committing yourself to serve the Lord exclusively, to understand the weight of what that means, that you will strive to live a life of complete devotion to God, to be held accountable for your actions, take ownership of your faith because it's yours, not someone else's. Okay, that's what I want you guys, I want to drive home. Take ownership of your faith because it's yours, not someone else's, right? So would you make a decision today, your decision, not the decision of your family, not the decision of your friends, not the decision of your familiar leader or your pastor, but out of your own personal decision, would you serve God and him alone? 